Okay, so um, if you guys don't mind, grab a paper that's in your seat and uh, one of the pens because we're going to write really, really fast. If you guys were here two weeks ago, um, you know that we've already gotten through most of this packet that I just put in your chairs again. Um, but I wanted to give you a chance to fill in the blanks if you weren't here two weeks ago. Uh, sure. Yeah, thank you. Um, great. Um, so I want to give you a chance to fill in those blanks. So does everybody have a pen that wants to fill in the blanks? And are you guys ready to write? Yes? Okay. So we're going to fly through this really quick um, so that you can fill in the blanks. So we are talking about personal worship right now. Um, and last, or two weeks ago, we talked about uh, uh, studying God's Word and also um, how, we, uh, how we approach God in personal worship through prayer. So uh, we first talked about the revelation is a disclosure by God of truths at which people could not arrive at without divine initiative and enabling. Now, I'm going to fly through these, so if you don't get the, the word, just ask your neighbor, okay? Because um, we're not going to camp on because we already have. Image in the, images in the Bible use, um, images the Bible uses to describe itself are as follows. Grain. <clears throat> you guys on the right page? Milk. Or milk. You're Julian Smith. Heyo. Food. It's almost Thanksgiving, people. Lamp. Mirror. Seed. Sword. Huh? Yes, I am. May I buy a vow, please? I know everybody just needs to write quickly. You guys are you guys don't have to take notes. All right. Fire and hammer. Two words for you to write down. Okay, and as you guys are writing, obviously you see that there are passages underneath uh, where you're writing. So I encourage you, if you weren't here two weeks ago, to go back and look at those passages. Look at what um, the packet says, because uh, that's exactly what we talked about. All right, why the Bible continues to be significant. The Bible is divinely inspired. The Bible is practical for day-to-day faith decisions. So divinely inspired. The Bible is practical for day-to-day faith decisions. The Bible is historical, not mythical or fictional. The Bible is authoritative as the ultimate source of truth. The Bible is like a love letter drawing us closer to God and a playbook showing us how to live. All right, so the next section is on prayer. We're going to fly through this too because we already talked about this two weeks ago. Our prayer life is determined by what we believe about God. Prayer can be defined as simple communication with God. I think that's two words, right? No, I'm asking a lot here. And what can you say uh, to the God who knows everything, uh, the good, the bad, about us? Answer anything. Hmm. 
God answers prayer according to his will. We're getting pretty close to the end, aren't we? Prayer draws us closer to God. Okay. So in your packet, you also have a couple of passages that are really great um, prayers to memorize. So we talked about at the very end of um, our lesson two weeks ago that if you don't know how to pray or don't know what to pray, Scripture is a great place to go to. So you have the book of Psalms, which is basically a book of prayers. So that's a great place to see um, how to pray and what to pray. Um, You see David and some other authors in there just pouring their heart out to God. Um, But there's also a couple of prayers that that are in um, your packets uh, that are great prayers to to memorize as well. And then obviously the Lord's Prayer, um, where Jesus teaches um, his disciples how to pray, okay? Um, But uh, I'm going to leave that in your hands to go back and look at that stuff if you weren't here two weeks ago, okay? Um, but I wanted to make sure that you had the, the blank because that would just be really, really frustrating if you didn't. Um, plus, I've almost had people like throw things at me up here when they didn't get the, a blank filled in. So I understand, okay? Um, but tonight, uh, we're going to specifically be talking about um, uh, quiet time and what that looks like. Now, maybe we can do this. I, uh, if you, if you want to be brave enough to do this, uh, who in here has ever had a quiet time period? Okay. All right, so I know that this is a very churchy um, concept. I understand that, uh, that sometimes when, if, you're, if you aren't raised in the church and somebody says, hey, have a quiet time, what does that mean? What, what? what does that mean? And then in addition to that, sometimes we just say, hey, go have a quiet time, but we don't really talk about what it looks like to actually have a quiet time. And what we mean by having a quiet time is spending specific set-aside time with God, just you and Him, okay? Um, it would be absurd, right, if I was to always be around other people when me and Aaron were together, and we never had alone time. That would be absurd. That would be ridiculous. And we understand that, that if that had happened, like in our uh, dating relationship, moving into um, to engagement and marriage, our relationship probably can only go so far. You following me? Okay? And then especially after getting married, if, if I never had alone time with Aaron, she never had alone time with me that was dedicated to one another, then our relationship would be inhibited by that. And, and so we understand that in a human relationship, but oftentimes we forget that in our relationship with God. We forget that, hey, listen, like life is very distracting. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in our world and in our lives, and there's stress and all sorts of stuff. And if we don't actually intentionally set aside time to be with God, there, there's, there seems to be a tendency for life to push that out and us to only spend, quote, time with God when we're at church, okay? When I was your age, that was my pattern. I would maybe try to have a quiet time with God um, here and there because uh, Chris Mass, my youth minister, would say, hey, you need to have a quiet time with God. Um, and a lot of times I'd sit down, I wouldn't even know what to do. I'd just kind of flip the Bible up and then read and hope that something happened, right? And then I would get discouraged because a lot of times it, it was very misdirected. And a lot of times I didn't, quote, feel like anything happened. And then I would get discouraged, and then I would just feel like, why am I doing this anyways? Until later on when I felt guilty again, whenever it was brought up at church, and then I would try to do it again, okay? But I was missing the point, because it's not about doing a task out of some sort of ritual. It's about a relationship with God. And so my quiet time, whenever I began to understand that, it, it, it still had components of studying the Word of God and praying and these things that we, we talk about in, in church, but there were also times that I, I gave myself the liberty to go on a hike and to just spend time prayer walking with God um, and just spending time in His creation and letting Him speak through that or reading a really great Christian book and allowing Him to speak through that author or listening to a podcast or listening to a sermon or, so, or something like that. Um, 
in order for him to speak to me, but I had to be intentional about setting aside that time for him, okay? And we have to be intentional about setting uh, time aside for God, which is the first thing that we're going to talk about. You need to pick a place that has minimal distractions. The most distracting thing that you guys have is your phone, okay? So, so when you're setting aside time for God, it would probably be a wise thing for you to set that aside. To, to, to turn it to do not disturb or whatever and flip it upside down so that you don't see anything coming through on it. Because if you're like me, and listen, I'm, I'm guilty of it, okay? If you're like me, I, it's very easy for, um, for the, uh, the phone to distract me if I see it light up, right? I'm like, oh, got to check that. Do I really? Not really. I could, I could let it wait for 20 minutes. Um, but we've got to find a place uh, uh, where there's minimal distractions. Um, in Luke 10, 40, uh, there's a story about Mary and Martha, okay? I mean, it talks about how Martha was distracted um, when Jesus came and visited their house. Oh, jeez. Golly. Okay. I almost just, like, straight up bit it. Aaron, do you feel sorry for me? I'm sorry. I know, it was really sad. Kind of hurt my lower back, too. Anyways, I'm an old man. Okay, continuing. Speaking of no distractions. Um, so Mary and Martha, Jesus comes and visits them, okay? Um, and Martha is busy preparing a meal and doing all this stuff, and she gets really, really overwhelmed and doesn't spend time with Jesus. In fact, she kind of gets on to Jesus and says, aren't you going to tell my sister to, uh, to help me? And Jesus says that she chose the better portion. And, and he's basically showing her a lesson that, hey, listen, like there's more important things in life um, than being distracted by all this stuff, and it's about a relationship with me, and Mary has chosen the right thing to just sit at my feet for us to just spend time together. And so we see in that um, a lesson for us as well that, that we can be distracted, distracted, distracted and just try to fit God into that or we can be really intentional about pushing all the distractions away and finding alone time with God and allowing Him to speak to us. It's important that we find a place um, that's conducive to focusing. That's going to look different for you guys than it does for me. Okay, I normally focus more in the morning time. Um, I'm more of a morning person. Um, and so, yeah, no, there's some faces like, ooh. Um, I'm more of a morning person. I know that about myself. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. But um, to choose a time that, uh, that works for you guys, um, that, that's best for you. So um, in Mark 14, um, we see a story about how Jesus leaves the disciples and he goes off and prays. And then he comes back and he finds the disciples sleeping. Um, sometimes we beat the disciples up about that. Really, it's because they had had extreme grief. Uh, Jesus had come to the end of his uh, ministry, and they knew that, and there was just a lot going on. Um, but uh, the point is in that is, is that, that there's not a, a, a right or wrong time of day to, to have a quiet time. In fact, um, throughout the, uh, the church's history, there's actually been patterns of prayer um, that, that are called like the hours of prayer. And so like um, one creative way for you guys to possibly spend time with God if anybody has a watch, which I know that most of you guys don't, when you're a counselor, you do, um, because it's really, really rude uh, to... It's really cool. Anyways, I'm going to get off on a like, different topic that really doesn't matter right now. But if you had a watch, okay, um, sometimes you can set them to beep every hour, right? Um, and so, like, that's a reminder. Uh, okay, when it beeps, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend just a moment in prayer, right? We have these patterns built into our lives sometimes. Like, if you're from a family that prayed before dinner, that's a pattern of prayer, Okay, that's 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 setting aside a, a pattern and a rhythm in order to to make yourself available to God. Um, but 
It's not right or wrong if you spend your quiet time in the evening time. It's not right or wrong if you spend your quiet time at lunchtime when everybody else is sitting at the, the, the table. You go off into the quad or wherever you go um, and spend some time with the Lord. Or in the morning time, it's not right or wrong. The point is, is to spend time with God, period, um, because it's about relationship. Okay. Um, so when you do this, um, a great place to begin is with prayer. Now, why is that? Um, because our lives are extremely, extremely distracted. Prayer is a way of centering ourselves. Prayer is a way of us pausing and acknowledging that God is way more important than what's going on in our world. And so it's a way for us to pause and to slow down and to, to make ourselves available to um, the presence of God. Now, we've already talked a little bit about prayer, um, but a really good, and I think this is in your notes, a really good uh, kind of outline, okay? It's not the only way to pray, because sometimes, you know, the Spirit groans on our behalf, and like a lot of times my prayers don't make any sense. Um, but, but a good um, format to praying, um, if you wanted to use this, is uh, ACTS, okay, A-C-T-S. Um, it's adoration first, right? So when I come to God, like, I immediately am giving thanks and praise, okay? Um, because he's done amazing things. If I'm breathing and I'm spending time with him, that's, that's a reason to praise him. That's a reason to adore him. And then moving from adoration to confession, where I, I ex, ex, explore my heart and I allow God to reveal my heart areas of my life that he wants to work on. Because he's always wanting to work on us. We're being sanctified daily. And so, so I make myself available to that. And when I see that there's sin in my life, when I see that there's something that's not lining up to what God wants for me, I confess that and I say, God, I'm sorry that I've done that. Because it's not what's best for me. I'm sorry for seeking life and filling the blank. Because that's not where life is found. It's found in you. Okay? And then after confession, uh, moving to thanksgiving um, and just giving thanks more and more and more. And then supplication, which is a big work for just asking, okay? Um, and asking for what you need. Now, God knows what you need, okay? We see that throughout the scripture. We see that Jesus teaches that, that he knows what you need. So even if you don't speak those things, he still knows. Um, but there's a component of us being a child of God and asking, on, on asking for these things that we need. And I'm not talking about asking for a Ferrari, okay? I'm talking about asking for legit stuff. But asking for these things that we humble ourselves and asking for those. And here's a crazy thing. There's a couple of passages in Scripture. Um, one is about a widow uh, going to a judge. Um, another one is, uh, oh, goodness. I think it's God knocking on a door. Anyways. Um, oh, yeah, 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 it is. Um, he's knocking on the door, and he's asking his neighbor for food because there were people that had come over to his house, and he needed to feed them. And the guy inside says, go away. Like, it's late. Like, all my family's asleep, and he continues to, to persist. And, and the widow continues to persist with the judge until the judge gives her what she wants. And so these are two pictures, two images of, of what it looks like for us to persist in our prayer to God and continue to ask for things even if they aren't fully given to us yet. Okay? Um, so, so we can start with prayer. The second thing um, that you can do in your quiet time is read God's Word. Um, so obviously God's Word, we've already talked about that too. God breathes, right? It's God's love letter to us. It's, it's where we figure out what it looks like to live for Him. So if we want to be more Christ-like, that is the best place to go. And so I get that sometimes, quote, it's boring. I get sometimes it's confusing. I get sometimes that it's hard. But that doesn't let us off the hook 
for the reality that we need to be in God's Word. You need to be in God's Word. You just do. And, and part of the difficulty of being in that and the rub of being in the Word of God, that is transformational in itself, even if you don't completely understand it or whatever. But that you're submitting yourself to the reality that, that God's will is far more greater than your will. And His will is revealed through His Word, other ways too, but revealed through His Word. And so in submitting yourself to that, you're saying, yes, I receive your will. I receive what it is that you want for me, not what I want, which is to be entertained right now. Okay? And so, um, so reading the Word of God is so important. Um, and we already looked at this passage, but it's in your uh, little notes. Um, it's Acts 17.11 about the uh, Berean Jews. Um, who studied the Word of God and understood the Word of God and were commended for that. And so I wonder like, what it looks like for us as a church, even last cast of Baptist, to be people that would be commended for the way that we study God's Word and honor His Word through that. Okay, so after reading God's Word, um, reflect by meditating and or journaling. Now meditation is not like sitting and going, oh, oh, okay, it's not, it's not anything like weird, okay? Um, meditation really, like I'm not giving you guys this image, it's like a dog who has a bone, right? And he's like really enjoying it, okay? Uh, we just gave Denali a duck thing, like a stuffed duck, and she became very possessive over it and like loved that thing for like three days until she ripped the wing off and then we had to take it away. Um, but uh, she loved this thing. She would like play with it. She carried it around. She was excited. Whenever we came in the door, she would like, like look around for this thing and then she would like come running around the corner with it in her mouth like, like you know, kid like wanting their parent to be proud of them, like, look at what I got, okay? And so she comes around, she enjoys it, but then she would lay it down for a little while, right? She would do something else, and then she would go back to do playing with the duck again, playing with the duck again, over and over and over again. That was the pattern until she ripped the wing off, okay? That's where this analogy falls apart, because we don't want to rip the wing off of the Word of God. But that's the image that we see with meditation on the Word of God, is where we, we, we meditate on it, we enjoy it, we set it aside for a second, we set it aside for a little bit, then we dig it back up, we meditate on it some more, and then we set it aside. And then we dig it back up and we meditate on it more, okay? And we become more and more familiar and we, get, we, we allow it to enter into all of our being when we do it that way, okay? And it's not like a fast, like, oh, well, I got a duck and I played with it for, for two minutes and then I threw it off in the corner and yet I, I'm going to pretend like I really like that duck. Like, if Denali did that, we would know that she didn't really like the duck. We would be like, okay, we're not going to spend money on a duck game, which we're not going to because she ripped the wing off of it. Have I said that already? Because I'm disappointed, okay? I'm a disappointed parent because Samba really liked the duck too, and now it's in the garbage can. Okay, so reflect um, by meditating or journaling. Journaling is a great way um, to allow these lessons that God's teaching you um, to, to sink in. I was talking with my brother-in-law, um, and he gave me this, uh, this image that was really cool. I'm sure you probably heard it in a sermon. Um, but in the Old Testament, um, there, there were these times when God did things, and like that they were extraordinary things. And you know what the people of God did whenever he did something really cool like that? They wrote it down. That is very true. Um, but what did they normally build? Huh? What was that? A what? Oh, um, 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 she was meditating. Uh, now, they built, like, altars, okay, to the Lord. A lot of times they would grab stones that were uncut and stuff, and they would just pile them up. And then and they would know that this was the place that God changed this bitter water into to clean water for us, 
They built stones. This is the place where God rescued my son, right? They built stones. They built these altars, these places that were like memorials. It's like going to Washington, D.C., a little bit different because those memorials aren't actually, a lot of them aren't in the same place that it happened. But you go there, and they're built in, in memory of something that's happened in the past or in somebody's honor um, that has served our country. So he was telling me that, that journaling um, functions that way for him and his walk. Where, where he's prone to forget. Who here is prone to forget what God's taught them? All of us? Yes. So, um, what he said was, journaling is a way that he sets up an altar to the Lord. So that later on, years, maybe months, um, he can turn back around and he can read that and be reminded of what God had done in his life. Because it's so easy to forget. So, um, journaling can be a really important component um, uh, for meditating um, on the Word of God and also on the lessons that he's teaching us. Um, In Psalm 119, 148, I think it's in there, um, it says that my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. And if you read through, especially Psalm 119, it's such a beautiful, beautiful prayer um, of, of supplication for the hunger of God's Word. Like if you're lacking a hunger for God's Word, Psalm 119 is a is an amazing chapter to read um, to help stoke that fire a little bit. All right. So then after all that stuff, um, next thing you can do is share with someone or be ready to. Okay, who here um, likes to share stories with other people? Like something that's happened in their world? It's exciting. Yes, okay. So all of us, right? That's the way God's designed us. We want to share a story with one another. Who here... Um, if you were able to verbalize, let's use something like, like schoolwork. If you were able to teach somebody, like verbally teach them what you're trying to learn, that that sticks better with you, that you're able to remember it quicker. Aaron, yeah, okay. All right. So there's a component of this where it, it takes it from, again, this, this internal thing to an external thing where we, where we share what God's doing in our life, we share what he's teaching us, and in that it sinks even deeper into our core. But in addition to that, you're, you're encouraging this other person, and they're able to speak into you. You know that story about the journaling piece with Matt? Well, like, that, that didn't just come up out of nowhere. We were talking about what God was doing in our lives. We were talking about how God was shaping us and molding us, and he brought that up without realizing that it would, like, hit me. And it would be like, yes, like, that, I, I resonate with that. That makes complete sense. That gives me more of a reason to sit down and journal instead of it just being some sort of task. So... Be ready to share with other people. Um, in Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Okay. So the next thing is, is to develop a habit without creating a ritual. Jesus was very clear through his ministry. He didn't want religion. In fact, that was one of the reasons why he was put on a cross. Because he didn't play by the religious rules of the time period. He wanted a relationship. He was trying to introduce people to the Father um, by, by showing them how to, how to go to him through him, but also Jesus was a manifestation of God himself in the flesh. And so it was about a relationship. Um, so we as human beings, we can get into a place where we, we make it a ritual or make it about religion. We make it about a checklist. I know that you guys have heard Pastor Kenneth say that upstairs, that it's like checkbox, 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 and it's not about that. 
not at all about that. But it's very easy to get there because we want to come along and say, huh, I have 16 stars, you know, that the stickers that the teacher gave me because I have perfect attendance this year. Who cares? I mean, like, I'm not trying to be, like, rude or anything, but, like, like really, like, in the large scheme of things, does that really matter if you don't have a relationship with God? Absolutely not. It just means that you're super busy on Sunday, okay? And so it's, we want to do that. We're, we're, we tend to do that as human beings, but this is about a relationship. However, let me be clear, okay? This is why I put this one up here. There has to be an intentionality of the way that you, you create habits in your life, Okay? We are, are creatures of habit, for better or for worse. And, and if you build certain rhythms into your life spiritually, like going to church, for instance, um, having a quiet time, you know, doing these things, that, that that will, over time, have a transformational effect on you. We need to understand that there's a continuum here that like, we can get over here into legalism land and let these ritual or these things that we do that are religious get into this place where it's ritual. Or we can sway over here and, and be in la-la land of like, it really doesn't matter. I'm just kind of like going by the seat of my pants and I don't really need to go to church because I don't really need the church and so forth and so forth. We need to find somewhere in the middle where it's like, no, I'm going to be really intentional that, that I think that God wants me to fast, right? Well, if I'm not intentional about scheduling that or at least intentionally like praying about when that's going to be and what that's going to look like, guess what? I'm going to continue to eat food because I like food. But if I'm intentional about saying, no, like, like I know that this spiritual discipline is something that God wants me to do, and I'm going to do it um, once a week, and I'm going to pray about when that time is going to be and what God wants me to, to do in that time, then all of a sudden I start building rhythms into my life, right? And you guys being here on Wednesday nights is a rhythm, okay? It's kind of like uh, the praying before meals. That's a rhythm. So we're just continuing to build more and more spiritual disciplines into your life so that you can be transformed by the grace of God. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, a few head nods. All right. But it's about relationship, not religion. Okay. So now we are going to talk about giving. And we're going to make this uh, as quick as possible, okay? Um, so the first thing that I want to talk about with giving is when God created us, one of the tasks we were given was to subdue and rule the earth. Um, and Genesis 1.28 it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we use this term in the church, okay? And again, if you're not, not been brought up in the church, it might sound like a weird word, but we are meant to be stewards of God's creation. And what I mean by that is, is that it's on loan to us, Okay? The finances that God has given us is on loan to us. The ability and the health in your body is on loan to you from God to be used, to be invested in his kingdom work. Now, we can choose to invest these things that he's given us into our own personal gratification, into our own comfort and control. But if we do that, we are wasting the things that he's given us. Instead, I love what Matt uh, Brewer up at Restoration Church says. He says, what does it look like to leverage your life for Christ? What does it look like to take the life that God has given you and leverage it for the kingdom of God? That's what we're talking about here. Now, in the garden, obviously Adam and Eve had uh, dominion and rule over the creation and the uh, creatures in the garden, and that there was a component of that that God said, I've created this thing that is good, and now I'm going to hand it to you to take care of. 
which in some ways, you know, we miss the mark tremendously when it comes to stewarding his creation, especially in this country. Um, but that's a little bit beside the point. What we're really talking about is how you spend the time um, or how you steward the, the resources that he's given you. So what resources has he given you um, would be a really great question to ask. Um, and it's not just about finances. Um, a great question to ask because we can get into a place where these things that God has given us um, take control of our lives. I don't know if you guys have been around people that are greedy. You guys don't understand what I mean by greed. Okay? Um, it, it controls those people. And when they don't get their way, they throw a temper tantrum like a little child. And so, so, again, we can slip into this place where, where these things, these good things that God has given us to leverage for him become our God, become our idol, become our thing where we find our comfort and control and we cling to it and we say, I am not letting go of this. When God maybe at times is asking us to let go of that very thing. And it could be finances, it could be your, your dream profession, it could be a child, it could be, you know, like you fill in the blank. Um, and, and he might be asking you to let go of it. So the question is, is do you own your stuff or does your stuff own you? Now, wealth isn't wrong. The things that God has given you aren't wrong. Um, but if it becomes your God, your idol, it is wrong. That is greed. God, uh, Jesus even talks about how, how we can't serve both God and money. And what, what he meant by that isn't that money is this terrible, awful thing. Because money is a necessary part of life. But what he meant by that is when the money and the wealth, the pursuit of wealth, um, and the greed gets in the way and you lift that above God in your life, all of a sudden you are in a very dangerous, um, ungodly place. And I'm saying that to myself as well. Because again, in our culture, it's very easy to do that because we're in a very affluent, affluent culture. Okay, so does your stuff own you or do you own your stuff? Really, God owns it, owns it and we're stewarding it. Um, so the grip of materialism is broken by surrender. Um, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So that story is of Abraham. Um, God told him to go and sacrifice his, his son Isaac. And so he was confused by that, but he chose to obey God. And even though it was his only son, and it had been years and years and years and years, decades, Okay, before he had him, um, he still followed God's instructions, even though it was very confusing. Then he gets up to the top of the mountain, and an angel stops him from uh, sacrificing his son. But the, the image there of surrender is massive, right? I mean, out of all the things in the world that, that God could have asked him to give up, and he asked him to give up his, his son. And, and Abraham uh, courageously moves forward in that because of his faith in God, because he trusted that God, really, I think that he trusted that God could bring him back to life, um, but that doesn't change the fact that it would be an extremely difficult thing to do. Um, and so he surrenders, uh, and in that, uh, God blesses him. Okay. So giving back to God is an act of worship. Um, he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. Um, I am amply supplied now that I have received from the uh, Epaphrodite, from Epaphroditus, the gifts you sent, they're a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. So letting go of these things that God has given us and placing them at his altar, it, it's really hard. Okay? 
Um, but as we do that, it becomes an act of worship. And that's what we're talking about, this personal worship component. It's hard. Like, when you start working, and I know that you guys haven't started working, but some of you guys haven't started working. But when you start working and you work hard to make the money that you make, okay, I understand that, I, that God is giving that to you, but, but it's hard work. And then you sit down and the offering plate starts being passed. It's a very easy thing to just make, <laughs> make excuses and to say, ah, you know, like, things are tight right now. Ah, you know, like, you know, the church is doing fine budget-wise. I don't really need to give. Ah, you know, like, okay, and fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. And I understand that you guys might not be in that place right now, but you will. And, and it's a beautiful thing whenever you're able to, to release that. Um, actually, you know what? I don't know why this is coming to mind, um, but I was in Haiti, okay? Um, it was, goodness, I don't know how many years ago. It was, it was years ago. Uh, I was in Haiti, and we went to a Sunday worship thing um, that was kind of like in this outside pavilion. Um, and I remember being struck while I was there because they did the, uh, you know, the service and everything. But then it was like offering time. So I'm thinking the plates can be passed, you know, or something like that, a basket or something. Um, but no, they didn't do it like that. Um, so I'm just kind of hanging. And then all of a sudden, like, like, people start standing up. And I'm like, okay, I don't really know what's going on. But then they, like, file out, okay, and then back up the front and literally dance their way down the middle aisle and, and put the, the money in the plate and then dance their way back to their seats. And I was like, like, this is crazy, okay? But in that, I saw, like, this extreme joy of these people. Like, and I know that a lot of times people are like, oh, they have nothing and blah, 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 blah. Okay? But legitimately, they did not have very much stuff. And here they were giving out of the, the lack of stuff that they had and having an, an unbelievable amount of joy because it was an act of worship for them. And so I left thinking to myself, man, that would be so cool if I had that type of a uh, perspective as like when I gave. And even though I don't dance down the aisle, I do remember that a lot. Of course, now I'm like on the automatic giving thing, so it's a little bit different. Um, I'm like, yes, like my, my automatic bank draft just went through. Uh, I'm going to go dancing now. Um, but when I was putting money in the uh, offering plate, that, that uh, story plays in my head quite often because I want to uh, make my heart available to that being an act of worship and not just begrudgingly just being like, oh, i got to do it because I'm supposed to. Okay? Um, anyways, that was a little bit side point. So let's keep moving because we're almost out of time. Uh, give according to your convictions, not your plans. That's the next thing. We are almost done. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So as we become more and more generous, um, the beautiful thing is, is that, that we serve a God that will always outgive us. Always. So when we're slipping into this place of control and comfort, we can stand on the promise that God is a good Father who gives good gifts to His children. And so I can't outgive God. I can't. And you can't. And so... so I, you know, if God is calling you to give, like, let's just say, like, like the dream of being so-and-so profession, OK? 
tell you. I'm not going to fill in the blank for you, but whatever that is. And instead, go on the mission field. Like, what does it look like to, to cultivate that type of generosity in your heart where you're willing to actually lay that dream down? Or what if God is calling you to give some sort of really um, important possession to you, a.k.a. like your phone or your Xbox or PlayStation or whatever that, that you love and you spend a lot of time on, but you feel like that God wants you to give it away to somebody else that needs it more or to give it away and get money for it and to give that money to somebody else that needs it. What does that look like? What does it look like if you have chores or allowance that your, your parents give you and to actually take 10% of that and tithe it to the church even if you think, ah, oh, it's not that much money? It's still a releasing and being generous to God because you realize like every single gift that you have in life, every good gift comes from God. And so when we have that in perspective, it's all of a sudden like, wow, I can hold my hands open with these good gifts knowing that even if they were all to leave tomorrow, he could supply them again. And even if he doesn't, he is the greatest gift. And I don't need these things in order to have life in this life. Okay, so we plow through really quickly. So let me, um, <clears throat> this is the last slide, but uh, remember that um, in personal worship, that scripture is key. Prayer is key. Having a quiet time, which plays into both of those, is key. Okay, And giving and being generous is key in the way that you worship God and make yourself available to Him. Um, so next Wednesday, we don't have um, LSM, but the following Wednesday, what we're going to be talking about is shared worship. So I really encourage you guys to be here for that because it's going to be super cool. We're going to be looking at baptism and stuff like that and talking about why we do that and what that's all about. So if you've ever had questions about that, it's a great, great week to come to. Um, but we're going to be talking about corporate worship and how that, uh, how that works, okay? Um, let me pray for us, and then uh, if you guys can help me pick up trash and stuff, uh, we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much uh, for tonight and for being a God that wants to spend time with us. <laughs> God, I pray, <clears throat> I pray that you would give us a desire, a deep, deep burning desire to spend time with you personally. And that if that means scripture reading or prayer or giving or, or just spending time outside or spending time with family and friends and just reveling in the things that you have given us and worshiping you in that, God, I just pray that you would uh, prompt our hearts and our minds to, to do that this week. God, I pray that if there's any student in this room that, that doesn't know how to have a quiet time or maybe has had quiet times in the past and has just kind of fallen off to the wayside, that you would encourage them um, to get back on the horse and to, to continue to make themselves available to you, that you would give them creative ideas of how to do that um, personally. I pray, Lord, that, that their relationship with you does not stop here when they walk out the door, but that, God, you are, you are an ever-present friend Father, that, that walks with us on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. God, forgive us for the times we just disregard you. Just push you off to the, to the um, back and just say, you know, I'll, I'll give to you whenever I go to church. God, I pray that you would help us day by day to move more and more um, towards a place where you are the focus of all that we do. God, I pray blessings over these students. Um, I pray, God, that you would open opportunities for them at their schools to speak your truth, to show your love, and that you burden them for the people um, that are around them, um, and that they would just have a heart that is, is burdened for their, their lostness or the, the brokenness in their life. 
God, I pray that you would continue to be glorified in the students' lives that are in this room and those that weren't able to be here tonight. That you continue to use them, that they would see how they can leverage their lives even at their schools for your kingdom. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.